want to invite you to read the scripture with me. It's John the Gospel, chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. The jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let's pray together. God, we give thanks for words, for language, because in language, we better interpret your love. Thank you for your word, and thank you for the, the words on the cross. And now, Lord, I ask that you just bless the words that I share. May these words fall upon the hearts of all of us. Let them be lasting words, eternal words as we seek after you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It is good to see you here. We've got folks that traveled many miles. Uh, Josh Wetland, one of our very own, married, married to Mary. Um, his parents are here from Canada. It, it's great to have documented immigrants here today. It is great to see you. Uh, it, it really is. Um, in Canada, don't they say, eh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, not, not in your part. Okay. Well, anyway, it's great to have you. Um, let's see, Grant and Angela Davis, are y'all here? They got married, just came off their honeymoon. Why don't y'all stand? We'll celebrate with y'all. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Look how happy they are. Do you see that? Do you see that? Well, you remember being that happy, <laughs> and you still are. That's what he said. I still am. That's good. A uh, couple of things we want to share with you, and, and one is Andy did a great job. Man, he did a super job. The only thing I didn't care for is he said, Mr. Stephan will be preaching. Give me a break. You'd think I have gray hair or something. Um, Grab a hold of this because he did a good job, but I want to reiterate, there are two of these, one to keep, one to give, one to keep, one to give. Put this one on your fridge, um, put this one on your dashboard as a reminder to pray about our Holy Week activities, that God will anoint them and bless them, that there will be a great opportunity for us to reach out, and then hand them to somebody, especially someone that you know doesn't have a church home. And if they say, hey, I'm already going to this, or I already have plans for Easter, say, well, would you give it to someone that doesn't? So take this. Uh, keep one, give one. Okay, that's important stuff. Well, today we, uh, we're talking about the seven last words of Jesus. This has been an awesome series, and we've gotten a lot of conversation around it. We really have. And some of the the last words in this series in Lent, that season between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday, excluding the weekends, is a time of self-denial, 
self-reflection, entering into the suffering of Christ, looking at our own discipleship. And, and one of the things that surfaces in the, in the words of Jesus, well, it's the phrase, I thirst. Now, we've talked about into thy hands I commit my spirit. We've talked about, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We've talked about where Jesus turns to a thief and says, today you will enter into paradise with me. Today I thirst. I'm thirsty. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I can think about being thirsty and become thirsty. I, I mean, it's, it's, a phen, it's a phenomenon. You know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, aren't we? And God in his mystery has woven us in such a way that we have systems that, that work really well. I, I mean, think about the sense of taste and how thirst is communicated through your body. When you move towards dehydration, your body begins, whether um, genuinely or maybe it's artificially induced, but you're moving through that process of becoming dehydrated and your body in, in the integral way that Jesus and God created us has a way of signaling that. Your pituitary gland signals to your kidneys, um, let go of the water moderately, you're going to need that water. And, th and then that same gland communicates to the brain in terms of your glands in your mouth, that, that your mouth is dry, you need something to drink. I mean, you may have come in here thirsty. We, we had some beverages, uh, coffee and water. But I can think about being thirsty and become thirsty. And, and uh, uh, let's see. Let's just see how this goes. And I want you to know, you know, during March Madness, there's a lot of coaches, and I don't know if you've seen all the sponsorships, Sometimes these coaches will put a beverage uh, branding and marketing their, uh, their, their, their sponsors. And so uh, I'm going to use this mic, and, uh, and let's just see how you all do. Yeah, see, that, that automatically stimulated some of your, your desire to thirst. Okay, I'm going to take this. This is cold, by the way. Uh, you all hear that? Oh, oh yeah. Listen, Kyle's gonna like this because it's gonna be sweet on this mic. Oh. I mean, you can think about thirst and become thirsty. And why is it that Jesus said, I thirst? Well, let's think about some of the things that Jesus moved through. And I want you to kind of hear this in stereo, if you would. Because he was referred to as the Son of Man. You'll find in Scripture, the Son of Man, Jesus. And then you'll hear him referred to as the Son of God. And so in our biblical text, we hear both. And I would suggest to you that a beautiful theological concept is the incarnation. That somehow, mystically, we can't get our minds around it completely, 
Jesus is 100% human. Jesus is 100% divine. A pure mixture of both. And the Gospel of John, the first chapter said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. And so he was a human being, but he was God in a bod. He was, he was in human flesh. And, and I encourage you to listen to that in stereo. Son of man, son of God. And think about first the son of man and his humanity. And all that he went through. And we can hearken all the way back to the Garden of Gethsemane. And you'll remember that prayer that he, he prayed. He said, Lord, take this cup of suffering from me. But not my will, but your will be done. And physically, he entered into something that can happen literally where the capillaries bleed into, drain into the sweat glands. And the scripture says he sweated drops of blood. They were intermingled together. And that can happen when a body is under tremendous pressure and stress. And so we begin to see that not only did he perspire, but he was bleeding out even in the garden. Could that have contributed to his dehydration? Or, or maybe it was when he was whipped with the cat of nine tails, and Pilate, all oh, the Persians came up with it. They invented the crucifixion and the whole process to prepare that criminal, but the Romans perfected it. And they saw it really over a spectrum where they, they beat you and they bruise you. And the cat of nine tails is this whip that strips the flesh off of one's back. It was all part of the preparation for the crucifixion. And so Jesus was bleeding from the back, he was punctured in his forehead, mockingly with the crown of thorns. The scripture says that he was pierced, he was punctured in the side. And Pilate said, I, I want to post above his head the king of the Jews. Now the Jewish leader said, no, 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 no. He said he was the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, no. We're going to leave it as is. And so he is mounted to a cross, but prior to that, he walks down the Via Della Rosa, as we call it today. It sounds something, uh, it sounds beautiful, but it was so painful in that he carried the cross, and as he carried the cross, this amount of poundage on his shoulder he was exerting himself. Could that have contributed to his desire to drink? I am thirsty. Now part of the way we know Simon of Cyrene carried it the rest of the way. But as he was nailed to the cross, he was bleeding as well. There were so many things that contributed physically, physio physiologically, medically, to his dehydration. Some would suggest that the last drink he drank was at the Passover celebration where he said, this is the cup of the new covenant 
poured out for you. That could have been the last beverage and fluids he received. We find in the scriptures, now John doesn't tell us this, but in another gospel that Jesus was presented with an extension posting out towards his mouth, almost like, well, a hyssop plant has like a paintbrush feel on the end, and there was gall on the end of it. Some would suggest myrrh. Isn't it interesting that they brought Jesus myrrh at his birth? It's used for the preparation of death, but it also has a medicinal value to it. Gall and myrrh and, and, and sour wine, it can take the edge off, the pain. It's, it's almost like an antiseptic, an antiseizure. And, and I don't know if this was out of compassion. I don't know exactly who motivated Jesus to be served up in this way. Maybe it was the women at the foot of the cross. Maybe the soldiers mockingly did this and said, well, he's going to die. Let's give him some of this. It says king of the Jews. He's got a crown of thorns. Let's honor him. But it says he refused it. The scripture records twice that he was presented something to consume in terms of fluid. And that first time he, he refused it. And, and I thought, strange. Why would Jesus turn down something when he was so thirsty? I, I thirst. I would suggest to you that Jesus knew he didn't get a pass. Jesus knew he was the lamb that was to be sacrificed. And to fully be that sacrifice, to fully become that one who absolutely did not know sin, that perfect human being, that he had to fully embrace the fullness of the sacrifice. So hear me on this, no matter what you've experienced physically, Jesus knows what that is like. Jesus knows what it is to suffer. Jesus knows what it is to have pain. Jesus knows what it is to thirst and to breathe out those words. Jesus also knows what it is to be isolated by that pain. One fellow was telling me, and fortunately he's a miracle, he was hooked up in ICU, intensive care uh, unit, with all of these um, wires and tubes, and he was on a, a ventilator, and they had intubated him. And, and as he was in the midst of that, he couldn't talk. But he was fully lucid. He was aware at certain points. And he said, Tim, there was a helplessness to this. And I felt very alone. I wanted to communicate in these brief moments where I was fully aware, but could not. I was very lonely. And I think about Jesus, not only what he took on physically, but that loneliness that 
pain creates, not only physical pain, but maybe you've experienced the pain of divorce, the pain of being rejected, the pain of, of being fired from your job or let go, uh, the, the pain of being shamed for no good reason, and that isolation, all of those things Jesus fully embraced and stepped completely into the sacrifice for you and me. And then I think about all the emotions that went with that and all of the dehydrating of one's physical body that Jesus went through and and the very life of him emotionally was drawn out, I'm sure, through all the, the hurt and pain of rejection of his very own race. And those that had walked with him, betrayed him, and denied who he was. This one, who is described as a fountain, as a river of life, was thirsty. How are y'all doing? Good. This is really good. It's got a little bit of caffeine. It helps me. Mmm. Ah, are you feeling it? Feeling a little bit? Think about the times Jesus refers to water. Think about the times where the scripture references fluid water, bodies of water as salvation. In the Psalms it talks about God as a fountain of life and you can be refreshed. And I, I think about how Jesus went to that well, Jacob's well as it was affectionately known, and the woman from Sychar, Samaritan, considered a half-breed in that culture, came to the well. She wanted more water. She said, you ask me for a drink, you being a Jew. And he said, if you knew the one who was asking you, you would understand that it is water that will allow you to never thirst again. And she said, I want that water. How can I get that water? The living water said, I think about this morning God uses physical analogies to speak spiritual truths and all of us have a thirst all of us have a longing for something more than ourselves greater than who we are what did Jesus mean when he said, I thirst? Well, I think it was a manifestation of the physical pain and dehydration that took place through the whole passion and suffering that he endured. And I believe that he was thirsting 
as well because the Father in heaven had turned his back on the one that he had described as a begotten son, a special son, the son of creation, the son of God. God turned his back on the son of God and the son of man. And then we hear those words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And there in that loneliness, he would be the sacrifice. In this passage that we read, it's interesting, they use the hyssop plant, and as I described it, you can extend it out, if you would, if you get a large branch of it, and, and they would dip it in sour wine for him and place it on his lips. And it said he received it at that point. It was all during the Passover celebration. All of this was happening during the Passover. And you'll remember the Passover where the people of God, the Israelites, were able to be protected from the angel of death. And they would take a hyssop plant, dip it in a pure lamb's blood, and put it over the lintel or doorpost. It's no surprise that they would offer hyssop to the Lamb of God, while lambs all around them were being sacrificed. But I think there's something more. I think he was thirsting for the Father's affections and love when the Father had turned his back on him. And I think he was longing for you and for me. As that classic line says, he had you on his mind when he was on the cross. I thirst for the salvation of all the world. I thirst for those that are lost. I long for redemption. I long for Eden to come and be recreated again. I long for the new Jerusalem when there will be no more war, no more despair, no more poverty, no more estrangement, no more hate. He thirsted for you. And today I want to encourage you as our worship team comes to consider realizing his great desire for your life and how he was the lamb that was worthy. He who absolutely knew no sin became sin and would be the sacrifice. And he put himself in a position to say those words, it is finished. The veil was torn. And we freely can embrace God's grace because he fully embraced the sacrifice. The altar is open as we come and worship.